What's up, Redemption? What's happening? So glad that you're joining us here on the first episode of The Threshing Floor, a new Redemption podcast. My name is John Hendricks. Today, we're going to be going over our initial thoughts to the fact that rotation is here and what that means for the future of the game. And I'll be having this conversation with my buddy Brad, who is also from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. He's the guy that introduced me to the game, so my wife can feel free to blame him for everything that's happened the last two years since that day that we walked into Lifeway. And we'll also be joined by former Top Cut player at Nationals, Jay Chambers, and the guy that got second place at Nationals this year, who also happens to be the owner of Your Turn Games, Derek Serrato. So we really appreciate you being here. So glad that you can join us, and we'll get right into it. My name is John Hendricks. Thank you for joining us on episode one of The Threshing Floor. I'm here with a few guests that I mentioned. I'm here with Brad from Tuscaloosa. We've got Jay Chambers, who has been displaced from the Southeast region up to Michigan. And we also have the owner of Your Turn Games, Derek Torado. So we'll go around and we'll start with Brad and then go to Jay and Derek to introduce themselves. Hey everyone. Again, my name's Brad. Uh, I live here in Tuscaloosa. I've been playing the game for about two years now. Still feel like a brand new newbie in some ways, but in a lot of ways, I have <laughs> learned a lot over the years. But um, yeah, I'm excited about the new set coming out. Excited to talk about um, what I've learned over the last couple of years. So a little bit about me. Oh, 30, 32 years old, got two kids, married. You want to know a little bit about that? I'm Jay. Um, most everyone in the community probably knows me at this point. Um, some people probably don't care for me, which is sad, and I'm glad to be here, and I'm married to my wonderful wife, Alexis, and we have a dog and a cat, and that's that's that, but uh, I've been to a bunch of national tournaments at this point. I don't even remember how many, but I haven't been in the past two years, so people may have forgot who I was, but you know, whatever. Anyway, glad to be here today. Hey, uh, I'm Derek. I'm with uh, I'm the owner of Your Turn Games, and um, I've been playing Redemption. Well, I first was introduced to it in about 2007, 2008. Um, kind of played it super casually, starter decks and a couple boosters, and then that only lasted about a month or two, um, and then uh, kind of dropped it. And then 2015 December, uh, kind of got back into it and been going ever since, and then started Your Turn Games. Uh, right after that in probably February 2016. And so um, Your Turn Games has grown significantly in that time over the past five plus years. And um, But I'm very blessed uh, to have met so many people in the community and um, to run this business and to help provide um, redemption, to you know broaden that to the greater public, to get more people in the game, um, and to have a nice um, competitor to the longstanding uh, unmentioned other um, secondhand retailer of redemption. Um, and it's, it's good to give that to the community as well. So I really enjoy the game and um, I appreciate being on here. Thanks for inviting me, John. And um, by the way, for the record, I'm one of those guys who doesn't like Jay. So I just want to put that out. Just kidding. Love you, Jay. <laughs> Love you too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that we've gone over a little bit about ourselves, um, I don't know if that gives us any right to speak on the game, but this is a podcast. I created it, and we're going to talk about it anyway, whether we have the authority to do so or not. Who needs authority? I mean, we're 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 we're, we're evangelicals. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. <laughs> we're, we're but humble servants. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go over redemption, uh, having set rotation, and this is something that as soon as we got into the game. So mine and Brad's first interaction with the game, he played it as a youth a long time ago, and he asked me if I've heard of, ever heard of the game. I had not, but our local Lifeway was going out of business, so he <laughs> talked uh, talked me. So into, many people. He talked me into going and to the absolute. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know the word. My my wife has been upset about it ever since, probably because ah, of the amount. Every of wife has. <laughs> Every wife can can confirm. 
<laughs> but anyway, so my first in- introduction to the game, we bought Lifeway was going out of business. They had the G and H starter deck, the I and J starter deck, and four packs on the shelves of Angel Wars. Which I'm sorry, I don't care what anyone thinks. Angel Wars is the worst booster set ever. That is the worst set that has ever been the made in the history of Redemption. So um, I'm sorry. We, I think I have to say I think Apostles probably tops that. I liked Apostles though. The cards that were at least remotely thematic, like Angel Wars, is leaving the source material but giving everything a Bible verse, and I just never liked. I'm just I'm just trying to figure out where Eli the angel is in the Bible. <laughs> because he was in every one of the booster packs. Like that was the most popular character in that set. That was the first silver hero that I ever opened in a booster pack. I was just like, what is this? <laughs> I've never gotten an angel and then there's this guy and then it's like, oh, he's terrible. <laughs> yes. But anyway, um my introduction to the game was the GNH starter decks, which were okay kind of weird i did not like the writing over the first comment i made was the writing over the artwork is terrible and then we open the pack or the the starter decks of i and j and it's like okay the game's progressing it's moving forward then came the four packs of angel wars and it's i i told brad at the at the time that i almost didn't think that the game was worth trying to play like it was pretty bad so then you fast forward to we found we started trying to learn the game and we found the boards and we found Discord and we got plugged into the community and the first topic that was kind of a hot button topic within the community was rotation. People saying that it needed to happen, people saying it didn't, people upset that their old cards were not going to be valued anymore, which me as a new player seeing the terrible design with the the words over the artwork i didn't care for them anyway i don't like the fact that they're not the exact same size as the new card format new new size and the new card face so rotation is something that i've been looking forward to since i first found out about it but it is something that's been going around for the last couple of years on discord and on the boards so i guess um the first i I wasn't around when it first started being talked about it was just something that we observed upon joining the community so maybe jay if you want to talk about oh the boy. when you think it first started becoming a real idea that people were thinking so game. i think that we started talking about rotation seriously post i and j um and when i say we i mean just about everybody at least thought about it because um, Redemption's had a long-standing problem of cards being overly good from the first few sets. The problem, the pro- the funny thing is, is that that problem went away long before we actually have gotten to rotation. But we've been taught people been kicking rotation around for really since I and J, and then the the discussion really picked up in 2017 and 2018. Um, and the most vocal proponent for rotation in the community that I can remember that's in the community was Josh, uh, Josh P, our current national champion. Um, he's Kevin, the dude on Cactus Forums and Discord. Um, he really started picking up for it after he developed the Children of Light deck that took 2017 nationals by storm and destroyed all my childhood hopes and dreams in the same <laughs> tournament. And uh, it it was really he 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 said that it is not okay that cards like I am Creator and Consider Lilies and A Soldier's Prayer exist because they allowed me to do this. I mean, and so that was really when the community began to get some steam for rotation because I can remember I actually can remember going back two thousand eight two thousand nine. There were people that were just really 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 just just in love with the fact that redemption is this card game that doesn't have rotation. It doesn't have bands. Anytime any kind of ban would ever be discussed, people just got super mad. And this was, this was in 2008, 2009. The game was radically different then than it is now. Um, And it was actually radically slower, but that's, that's a discussion for another day, really. 
But people would get super angry with stuff like rotation or bands or anything like that got brought up. And so here we are now, and it, it came it has come so full circle that players like you and Brad are so in favor of rotation as a concept because so many people were so against the idea of any kind of rotation or bands. And I think really um, when we had to ban or when the game had to ban the two-liner Lost Soul and Samuel in 2018, or no, that was Samuel was 19. Liner was 18 and then Samuel was 19. There we go. I remember now. But when we had to ban two-liner, that's sort of what really opened the door for people being okay with banning things and rotating. And so, but, but, I've been in favor of rotation ever since the Children deck came out. Even though there's this little little kid in me that loves um, what I started with. I mean, I love G and H Moses, and I, I still look like really fondly at like those last that last run of those cards with the words on the special ability. Uh, the second edition of Faith of Our Fathers and Rock of Ages is like my favorite set. Even though that set is precisely the like if we if we had to say there was a reason for rotation, you can just point at all the cards that came out in tens, and you can say this is why we have to rotate because stuff was so good. Let me ask you: You said that you think rotation really started gaining some steam when I and J came out. Do you think it was the fact that they went to a new card face that it kind of created a desire to see? I think based on that, or do you think that was just the timing just happened to be at the same time? I think that the the introduction of the new card face, um, I think that was a huge push, and also the fact that the game had been stale um, since there was a there was a tremendous gap between the introduction of the 2011 tens in August of 2011, and then the introduction of INJ in May of 2013. The game got profoundly stale in that time period. It wasn't a bad game. That's actually a really enjoyable meta game. If anybody wants to just go back and play old formats, that's the one I would say go play. But um, I and J coming out, and then the new card face, we're like, we like this. And then Early Church came out, and it was a different card size. And I think those two things are part of the reason. But the big thing was is that I think that people wanted Angel Under the Oak to go away. I think that's the big kicker. Okay. So let's let's start We'll start with Derek and we'll work our way back around. Jay, you go last because you're long-winded here. <laughs> I will be less long-winded next time. So we'll uh we'll just say, do you think do you think this is the right move for the game, for the future of the game? Obviously, we want to we all envision the game growing and being stronger in 10 years instead of becoming, like you said, stale or stagnant. So do you think that this is the right move to push us towards that? And we'll start with you, Derek. Yes, I absolutely do. Uh, you have to think about the, the nature of these kinds of games. They evolve, you know, the, the ideas for them to get better over time, not worse. And so um, when you when the game started out, I mean, look what it look at. Just just look at it. It's, it's basically like a time capsule, a timeline. You can go all the way to a B to unlimited and look at those cards and look where they are now. OK. And look what's happened in between. It's only gotten better. You've you had cards where the vast majority had no abilities, and every card now virtually has an ability. So, um, you know, originally it's it's just a basic game, and then over time it started growing and coming in, into its own. Um, so, it, it naturally is going to get to a point where it's it's gotten where it is now, and you have to. It's kind of like outgrowing uh, your clothes or a, a garment. I mean. You don't stay in the same clothes forever. You know you have to eventually change it. Jay, um, he wears the same clothes all the time, from my understanding. You know he's one of those kinds of guys. But uh, just kidding, Jay. Um, you know, but you have to um, you have to eventually kind of change that garment. You know, and get on something new, get some new clothes. You can't keep putting patches on the old clothes. And that's kind of the analogy I've always used when it came to these all these erratas we have with a lot of the old cards. Um, so now I think. There's more of a standardization and wording and abilities that is occurring. Um, and so that's good for the game because that it's kind of like testing things out. Thing, you know, things don't work. Things are broken or these things are good. And so now that those good things and those things that we've um, learned over the past many years, um, we, we know what works and what doesn't. And so we're applying that now to these cards. And so uh, 
eventually, I think it's just the only natural progression was to rotate out those old cards. Um, I think it's great. I think we obviously still need to have a, a classic format that always needs to be there. But when you when you talk about new players, competitive play, uh, rotation format is absolutely the right direction for this game. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll chime in just for a second here. Um, being that I, I'm kind of a newer player and just started in the last two years, I could not wait for rotation to happen. Um, a couple reasons with that. Uh, number one, I just kept getting hit with these cards I'd never seen before. <laughs> I was like, what is this? You know, all these, it's like when you build a deck, you kind of have a certain uh, thing in mind of like what you're going to go up against. But when you're looking at nearly 4,000 cards, in a pool like you can't memorize all of them you can't expect everything that's going to come up and so for me just pulling and, and then um you know we always thought that like the throne of david for instance the old one was just like with all the new cards that came out it was absolutely just you know overpowered and that's why it took you know, the top three um in the recent nationals i think what was it two nationals ago yep um or maybe it was like five out of the top six or something. And you, you look at that and it's because of the older cards and the interaction with the newer cards and the, the flow of the game. And I think cleaning it up and getting rid of those older cards was just, it, it made things, it makes the game a lot better, a lot more competitive in my opinion. And a lot more um, of the, um, you know, types of decks, uh, it, it allows for that. So it's kind of my thoughts on it. All right, Jay, you got anything you want to add? Um, I've played a lot of rotation already, and it's a very different game than classic. Um, and that's that's sort of gonna tie into kind of what I'm about to say. I think it's the right move, but I don't. I'm so used to classic, I don't necessarily find rotation games as fun right now. This is before Gospels comes out with the current card pool. Um. But I think it's absolutely the right decision for game health because it's ridiculous what you can do in Classic with playabilities. And I think playabilities are the biggest problem in Classic. And so I think that that's a lot of what has caused some of the degeneracy of the metagame. So I'm a big fan of the rotation just because we need a different game. But there's some things that the more things change, the way things stay the same. And so that is something that whenever we decide to talk about rotation meta, I'll bring up. But overall, I think it's a good decision for introducing new players because there's no confusion. Because um, one thing when I've, I've taught a lot of people how to play, words on the picture are a big problem for generating new players. And so I do think this is the better decision. I think that it will lead to more sustained growth over time. Yeah. I kind of I kind of feel like that too, and I also think some of the abilities, not just play abilities, but some of the abilities and card interactions that they've gotten rid of. I know they had a recent change in the last couple of years to ignore, and then you you get rid of some of the the weird battle mechanics that stay in classic but aren't going to be printed on new cards. And all I the think, the lingo too, you know, with yeah, the immune and trying trying to get everything to be that. like very. Like if you understand it on one card, you can understand it on another card. There's not. The, I, I guess it's less. The standardization is helpful. Yes. Yes. Now there's there's a little bit of problem with that in rotation because from um, Rev John to Fall of Man, we went from using search deck for X to take X from deck, which is slightly confusing, especially considering that take is a keyworded mechanic in Redemption. But in, but the in general, getting rid of some of that ridiculousness is a good thing. Uh, there's one card in rotation that uses immune, and there's still a few ignore stragglers. Yeah, but yeah, that standardization, I like that too. Um, also, so I think we all we went around and, and everybody kind of agrees that it's the best move for the game and for the long term health. So let me ask you. And we'll start with you, Jay. Do you think that it was rolled out in the right way? And I think I kind of know what you're going to say here. But obviously, they announced that it will be for locals and districts. You can have classic. 
but starting this year, states, regionals, and nationals will only be rotation format. Do you think that's the right move? The implementation, do you think that's the right right way to do it? I wouldn't have done it that way. Um, I think that's the important thing to put in is that I personally wouldn't have done it that way. I think I think Rob was personally involved with the decision to roll it out the way that it is, which is important. But personally, I would have preferred to have had at least one year where you can offer states and regionals as classic. But that's also not how I would have done it even then, because if it would have been up to me, classic would have been maintained with its own R&RS category and we would have had rotation. They would have existed as simultaneous formats because we're doing away with multiplayer. But I think ripping the Band-Aid off isn't a terrible move because we all know that cla- that rotation is going to be the pushed format. So I'm okay with ripping the Band-Aid off. I just know that I personally would much prefer having the option to host the states and regionals with Classic because Classic cards are cheaper. Like that's just the, the blunt um, reality of the situation is that I can get someone to have a deck that's going to be fun in Classic with predominantly old-faced power cards that are cheaper. That's easy to do. And so I could have had a I could have produced a more viable um, playgroup if I can run states and regionals as classic. And as it stands, they're going to be stilted when I get there. But that's a personal thing. So like it's okay to it's okay that they rip the band-aid off. I don't personally like it, but I'm okay with it because I mean I trust what they're doing with this. I think um, if I could jump in, I think that it was a good decision. Um, now we we still have to see this through because we've never we don't know what it's like to only do it for state, regional, and national. We only have theory, right? So we got to see how it works out. But um, I think it works out best for those level tournaments. Um, I was a little surprised though when I found out that you could not you cannot um, you know co-play uh, like you know let's say you have type two running the same time as type one you know con- concurrently running together. I was surprised you couldn't do something like that with a classic and then a rotation format that it was one or the other. And on top of that, I was also surprised to, to know you couldn't also run an LOC only format, constructed format, and then upcoming GOC format. Like th- that's four different type one formats and you uh, run one of them at a, um, any level tournament to me, that, that didn't make much sense. Um, I personally would rather see, if you're going to take out certain things like multiplayer and all that, I'd rather see, you know, some people still probably want to play classic, but then they also want to play rotation or even better, do rotation, choose either rotation or classic, right, at, at your tournament, and then also choose one of the LOC or GOC only categories and run those concurrently or run it, you know, right after the type one two-player game for a constructed. To me, that just that just makes more sense and it's a little more fun and it gives it uh, players chance for more promos and, and just different a different style of play. Um, I, I so I'm not I'm not a big fan of that of just the one type one category uh, or type two category being played there. I, think I, I wish they, they were run. A lot of reason why you can't do that just from that that is the reason. But I just um, I think that maybe RNRS should just be consecrated to a rotation like format that. or something along those lines. Not LLC. I don't. I don't see why LLC should go to R and R S. Honestly, I think Type One constructed in the classic or rotation format should, but not LLC or GOC. I don't see that having any uh, uh, room for R and R S. And that's yeah, just my. I, I kind of see that too because obviously it takes. This is probably going to come off a little, little wrong or, or strong worded, but I think it takes less skill to win an LLC only category than it does to win a type one, two player where people are building a wide variety of decks because you're limited with what that is. But you can, and you're, only, you're locked into it. Yeah. Yeah. You're, and then you're the same points that. count toward the same year end standings. Um, Brad, what do you think about the way that it was rolled out? Do you think it was done the right way? Um, for me on a personal level, I like the way it was rolled out just to ripping the bandaid off because I was so ready for it. I can understand where people would be upset because it, you know, instantly devalued cards, you know, from the classics. If you're trying to sell them or do anything with them, I mean, 
they're almost in a sense like dead cards because people are really going to want, you know, unless you're trying to just teach somebody new or, you know, they're a lot easier to give away, I guess, you know, now that rotations happen or whatever, or sell them for cheaper. But, um, but as far as for me, you know, I was ready to kind of move on from there. So, and getting ready for nationals, nationals is going to be rotation based. So if that's something we end up going to, you know, you want as much experience in that as possible. So I think that was, that was the, the right move. I think also the fact that you have a LOC only category, which you're already getting the bonus of extra promos for, but then they're coming out with a GOC only. I think those two things to Jay's point that not offering the, the classic at any point or whatever, ripping the bandaid off. I think it's easier to do because they kind of, a new player can also just build up a LOC collection to play LOC only and have a category to play at tournaments or when GOC comes out, you can do the same thing. You don't have to, you don't have to build a classic deck because the cards are necessarily cheaper. Um, obviously they are cheaper, but at the same time, that's going to, if it, if it doesn't cap your ability to play competitively, there's, there's possibly not enough incentive for a new player to start buying into the new product. And that's what keeps the game going long-term is buying into the new product, making it, I wouldn't say profitable because I'm not really sure that there's any profit with the game. I think it's a labor of love. And I think it's the fact that the game has to sustain itself for new sets to come out and be printed. And the, the sales have to match the cost of production. So do you think coming off of nationals, do you think it was the right timing or do you think, do you think it could have been, Kind of, kind of along the same lines. I think the timing, the fact that it came right after Nationals, I think is the perfect time. But I almost wish that like they had made the announcement at Nationals so that it was – I feel like Nationals – this was my first one that I went to, but it almost seems like there was, there was so much that happened right after Nationals that part of me feels like they knew that it was going to happen right after. And it, it almost feels like – if I had known this was the last chance to play the deck that I was playing and I knew that it wasn't going to be possible to play it at a nationals in the future, I would have played a different deck at nationals. So I feel like, I feel like, again, this is my regret for not playing King Noah, but I, <laughs> I really do. I really do hate the fact that you guys spoiled love at first sight to where it, it became, you're either playing counters or you're playing love at first sight. But or you're the, Derek and you just play a generally good balance deck. Yeah, and yeah, we ain't got we ain't got to talk about that. <laughs> Thank you. But the the point I'm making is: is there any validity to me feeling that way? Do you think that if they knew that it was going to happen right after nationals, they could have given everybody a last chance to play whatever deck from the entire catalog of cards one last time? I personally think that would have been a good idea. Um, but I mean, my ability to go to nationals was not dependent on anything like that. So, but if I had known, I mean, I probably would have went and played something fun if I could have, but I couldn't. So one, uh, one other thing as, as far as, so, so the meta was, was warped when you guys released the list and then it kind of shifted everything. Yeah, and I, I, we're not going to go over the reasons that it was uh, posted. We're, we're going to keep those. We're going to bury those deep in our heart and never bring them up again. But do you think Love at First Sight and the fact that that combo deck happened, and we're also talking about 2017, I think that was the right year, Children of Light that Josh came up with. Like you said, he mentioned that those cards shouldn't those cards shouldn't exist because they allow him to do this. Do you think – Love at first sight, push them to go ahead and like that was the obviously I think it was the final nail in the coffin, but do you think they would have made the decision right now at this point, right after nationals, if it wouldn't for love at first sight, or do you think that kind of pushed them to go ahead? It's gotta be done now. So what I'm thinking is that it was a big factor in the announcements timing. I personally just have because I've been around for so long, I kind of figured it would be about this point that it would happen. Because if I remember correctly, I think so early church, persecuted church, cloud, Rev John, 
Um, Ball of Man, Prophecies, LOC, that's seven sets into rotation, plus INJ, plus 1026. Um, with that combination of cards having come out, um, that's that's precisely how many you need to be able to make a rotation. So I figured this was about the time that we were going to rotate, period. Um, but I think that the announcement was announced quicker because of the Love at First Sight deck. Because the Love at First Sight deck, um, at least the version that got that we did leak first, relied on Creation of the World and A New Beginning, which are two cards from Patriarchs, which was released in 2002. So... Those of you at home, that's 19 years ago. Yeah, it used two cards that are 19 years old and that have been broken ever since they were printed. How many, it, how many erratas do you think A New Beginning has? Sorry for the sidebar. I think it's at five. It may five. only be four. It's four or five. Because I think I think it got to four and then they had to make a minute correction to errata four. Because the first version of A New Beginning, if I remember correctly, shuffled itself. And then that was the first errata. And then I don't know precisely what the second errata was. And then there was a third errata. And I believe the third errata was the one that removed it from the game. And then there was an exploit that with Book of the Law and or not no not book not Book of the Law. There was an exploit with something that allowed you to use a new beginning to skip a turn. Um, and then they had to add, they had to add something else to it. Oh yeah. Cause what it was is it removed itself from the game, but it wasn't a cost. And so you could do something. I don't know. It's weird how to, I think the remove from the game was a cost to shuffle everything. And if you could get, if you could make it to where you couldn't pay that cost, you still got to draw eight and end the battle. That hmm. was busted. Cause it lets you basically time walk. Um, and then I think that was, I think there's only been four erratas. I might be wrong. I wasn't playing for the first two or three. Because, like, there's been two in my, my career. If you have to errata a card, if you're thinking about errataing it for the third time, you should probably just ban the card. Like, if you've done it once, you need to go clean something up. You did it a second time, but it comes back around and you even think about it the third time, that card should probably just go. I agree. Yeah, but you have to consider you have to consider context though, because think about the first time they banned the card. That was only a few years ago. So when that card came out and all the erratas came, there was no cards banned at all. So I, I don't think um, I, you know. I don't know. I'm just completely speculating on this, but I would assume at the time Rob probably did not want cards banned. Um, maybe it wasn't even an option. I don't even know. But you had the liners out at the time yeah. too. Those were being abused. Um, you know, you can go on and on. So just, just think about it that way too, is that banning only, that's only a a recent thing. Right. I think at some point they chose to go the path of erratas to avoid banning cards. And I don't know if looking back, obviously I wasn't involved with the game then. I've only played for the last couple of years, but almost wonder if some of the elders would think that looking back that far at it through a different scope, if it wouldn't have just been easier to ban a card here or there instead of do all the erratas to try to keep the full card pool. Because more bans earlier on could have kicked the can down the road to where you didn't desperately need rotation to reset the game state. I think that that would have, would have done precisely what you're, you're saying, is if we had been kicking bans around the whole time, um, we wouldn't have had the Garden Tomb's Reign of Terror because we would have banned it. We wouldn't have had Thrones' tremendous reign of terror, Angel Under the Oaks, because we would have banned them. And so I think that we would be looking at a rota- at a classic meta that would be a whole lot more healthy than what we ended on if they just banned problems at a time, which, I mean, Creation of the World is a overly good card. It should not have been printed because it sort of, for the longest time, Creation of the World altered how they designed Genesis Heroes. And all you have to do to prove my thesis is go to Cloud and read how many blue-green heroes exist that have something that negates some part of creation of the world or hidden treasures. 
And then when they finally quit caring was the year that we broke creation of the world. I think there's a big coincidence there. Well, they, they had quit caring with prophecies of Christ over hidden treasures. And then that coupled with, then they, I guess, they let characters come out that could be exploited with creation of the world. And those two combined is what led to Love at First Sight. That and the fact that there was just a really, there was just a really small problem with Love at First Sight's wording that was really easy to exploit with precisely two cards. <laughs> yeah. Although I'd, I'd still think the motivation for it initially was that they didn't want a player to be able to get a draw eight with or a plus six uh, by chance working that through Noah. Which now you can do that, right? Yes. But they took away hidden treasures in rotation, so you can't do it with hidden treasures. <laughs> but imagine imagine initially if it came out in the the various Genesis decks, if you were able to hidden treasures, Noah preventing cards, and then you get to play as soon as you go into battle to go plus six, swap your two cards for a fresh eight. Yeah, that's sort of that would have been a little busted. That would have been a free mayhem, and it would have freed up a dominant slot. Would you get to draw that card to do that? Right, but drawing's not not the problem when you can search. Which uh, I just asked Josh about searching. From a pure speculation, I know they were doing playtesting at nationals, but I was building my team's deck for the next day, so I didn't really observe too much of it. But so I'll ask uh, Brad and Derek, do you think that there's some card interactions that there's card interactions in the new set that kind of needed rotation to happen so that it doesn't break the game state in major tournaments? Um, I'll, I'll speak a little bit to that, even though Derek probably has a little bit more than me. But um, I think that the the card designers and with the abilities and whoever's doing it uh, has gotten a lot better over the, you know, over the years, especially with uh, being able to see the interactions from previous sets. Um, but it's impossible with as many cards as we've had to pick up everything. And I think it's pretty cool. Like to find like a broken combo, like a love at first sight, like they weren't, they didn't have that in mind whenever they printed the card, the new cards allow that to happen. But somebody found that. I remember my first online uh, tournament game I was playing against Jaden, and he was playing a uh, post-exilus deck with a card named Ager. And <laughs> he got impartial judgment off on me, I think three or four times that game and essentially had the ability to do it like every turn, you know, and uh, I had a lot of defense in that deck. So it ended up working out for me. I, I got down to my very last, evil card which was a foreign wives and i got a block off of that because he had drawn but that's the only reason um but you know you're not thinking about Ager when you're printing impartial judgment but you know and i think with goc it's, it's a lot better with the rotation you don't have to worry about all those cards from you know 20 years ago popping back up like a creation of the world or something it just hit me that Ager came out 15 years ago so we're at 15 and 19 if you're keeping up at home so the broken combos are not coming by way of cards that are new cards they're the enablers are always the older cards pigs lost soul that's pretty old too right i mean you think about too like 11 11 think about the interaction between the old throne abigail ishmaya those are all the older face cards Plus everything that came out in those sets, plus everything that came out in LOC, it was just too dominant. You know, you're drawing, you're protecting souls, you're negating characters, you're uh, tossing enhancements with Jeremiah Hopebringer. You can get all those in in the same band, and you can go through your entire deck in three turns. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like some of those cards, like I can understand the power and it's fun to play, but my goodness, it's hard to it's hard to get away from that. If you're trying to play a different offense, like why would you not play that in a sense? Yeah, the mo- the motivation to find a creative deck, kind of, if you're a new player and you come in and you see that, it's almost like, and I guess me and you both came in and we were like, we're not going to play the most popular or the most <laughs> dominant deck. And so we started, I, I started with Flood because it was right there 
on the cusp, but, but did not have the firepower to get over the edge. Jay, do not cut me off. It lacked it, and it still maybe it does not, and it did not. It did lack. If it did not, then tell me, tell me, sir, how many championships has it won? Okay, so tell me how many championships have been won by things that aren't the silence I was expecting. What? This is not the silence I was expecting. Well. I mean, (laughs) you got to understand that the decks, the decks only really been around since 2018. Furthermore, you've also got to understand that we can't really measure a deck's metagame presence and viability and the fact that it's a good deck based on how many championships it's won. Because, I mean, Objectively, in a vacuum, Love and Throne combo is the best deck that has ever existed in Redemption, but it didn't win nationals. You can with Throne. Throne didn't win nationals until 2018 in Type 1 2 player. You can check me on that. Well, I can check you, but I can tell you that over the last, let's say, four years, you can look at it as the most consistent dominant deck. And you can you can look at its finishes in nationals to back that up. Yeah, when you're only running two or three evil characters. But also, you have to consider type two. You know, I think um, I think the guy who won, I forgot who it was, he wrote up, he said he would only put Foreign Wives and Uza, Uza in his deck, and that would be like it. You know? Yeah, he's an end deceiver to get to him. And, you know, you got Guardian of Your Souls that can get out real quick, plus, you know, falling away. And it's just like, it's too much, you know, for somebody, especially somebody who's maybe never seen it, <laughs> if you're coming up against it. Okay, so back back to rotation as far as how it affects the player base. Do you guys and uh, whoever wants to go can go on this one, but do you guys think that do you think rotation happening leaves any players behind? Do you think there's a group of players that just won't be motivated to buy into the new format and will kind of get left behind? Well, Mike, I think I'll answer that a little. So there, you're always going to have players who um, they they like the old stuff. You know, um, they, they feel comfortable with it. it there's maybe uh, good memories associated with it. Uh, they just maybe like the, the card abilities or whatever, you know. And I can tell you as a re- from the retailer's perspective, um, I've seen a lot of people just buy old stuff and uh, like just trickle purchases of the newer stuff here and there. Um, but a lot of them just like the old stuff <clears throat> and, they, and they will still play that. Um, now, um, of course, the majority of sales come from newer cards um, or, you know, competitive cards from old or new being purchased. But you're always going to have that element. You're always going to have people who are afraid of change a little bit. But, you know, honestly, you're in the wrong game, though, if that's the case, because this game, um, you always have it always has something new being added to it every year. And so if, if you don't keep up with that, you may not necessarily like certain things. You may like a, an older set better. I get it. But when it comes to this kind of game, the whole idea is to say, like, I can't wait for the new set to come out so I can get new goodies for my particular brigade that I like or this theme that I like. Um, you know, so uh, I just think if, if people are just kind of waiting back and they're just kind of sitting there and they're kind of stuck in 2012 or whatever, um, it's not this is probably not the kind of game for them because this game is meant to, like I said earlier, evolve. And, you know, you get excited about the new stuff coming out. Um, So that's my thoughts. I do think that as a, not that I'm an authority to speak on it, but what I know from the player base and seeing the way people post is you do have those players that are real nostalgic about the game and what it was. And those are probably the ones that are, that give the most resistance to rotation. But it seems like any other, any other competitive card game, you have people that, that buy into the new set just there's no there's no whether i will buy into it but redemption moves at a weird pace it's a lot slower pace people aren't as open and flexible to change and it's partly because of that pace it's like they have to the the change has to happen it has to be there for a little while they have to be adapted to it and it's kind of like when you get a new fish and you introduce them to a new tank you got to put the bag in there and you got to let it sit for a little bit see how it's going to work and then you rip the bag open. And I'm just the kind of guy that like wants to rip the bag, throw the fish in there. And if you belly up, guess what? You probably weren't meant for the environment. But 
I, I get it to a certain degree, but like no other game do you have people arguing that the cost of buying the new set, like Pokemon could charge whatever they want for the new set and there's not going to be issues. You could do the same with Magic the Gathering, even Yu-Gi-Oh probably. I actually would, would argue that if those games substantially raise their booster pack price, there'd be a mutiny. Yes, I mean, think, think about how many sets come out, multiple sets per year. Pokemon releases like a set, at least a set every quarter of the year. So at least four sets a year. Every card game operates on a quarterly schedule except Redemption. Uh, so the, but the fact that like their player base acknowledges it and it's like, and I don't know if it ties into it at all, but the fact that they were so hesitant to ever ban cards or ever make any cards unplayable that it kind of set the expectation that every card you get is always going to be playable. You don't have to buy the new cards because your old cards will still work. And it does seem... I'm sorry to cut you off, but the old cards, they're just, a lot of them are just boring and, and they just don't work. Um, they just, they work for the time. You know, they work for, uh, I, you know, I joked at the beginning of the podcast about Apostles being one of the worst sets. If you look at those cards, a lot of them are like, you know, discard Pontius Pilate. You know, or discard, you know, uh, divisions in the church or something. I mean, it's so, it was so specific to, it was so, it was so just like, wow, that's boring, you know. So here, you know, you have a broader target, you know, like discard a Roman emperor or something or a Roman soldier or whatever, you know, um, there's something just broader. But so, you know, it, again, I think it comes down to people's play experience. And, and if historically, if they, if they've been playing this game for years, you know, they, they probably have a tie in to those good times they had back in the day. Redemption had a bigger heyday, you know, from my understanding, you know, before I got in, you know, years and years ago, you had 200 people at a national. Well, you just had maybe 60 tops or, or less of the last one, you know. So, you know, when you have those kinds of interactions, those experiences, I think people kind of cling to a little bit of that just because of the experiences, you know, not so much, maybe so much for the game. I just think they, this, I think they just enjoy kind of playing the game. They're just not really competitive. And I think the newer card side, um, <clears throat> those players are more, um, the new, the competitive people are wanting the newer cards more because they want to kind of keep changing those strategies and learn something new and see what's going on versus other people are just casual players. And they're just like, you know, playing the old stuff and chilling out kind of a good segue here you mentioning casual players and competitive players so moving forward into competitive gameplay especially at the state regional and national tournament level jay you you mentioned earlier about the impact on the meta what do you guys think are the most positive impacts on the game that will happen because of rotation i think one of the big things that will will happen is that Instead of decks that are bolstered by cards that have existed for 10, 11 years, um, instead we only have this pool of about 10 years of card release, or 7 years technically, even though it feels like it's been 10. Um, weird gap year and all. But uh, um, I think the big benefit will be is that I can go back to early church and I can build my deck and I can decide I want to play Sowing Bountifully and Corinth Heroes. And I'll be honest, I don't think that I'm fundamentally hindered versus someone playing the post-exilic deck. I don't think that there's that big of a disparity between the consistency and the speed of stuff that was released in early church and stuff that come out yesterday, theoretically. Not, nothing actually came out yesterday, of course. Well, Gabe did put out his list of trade and sales. <laughs> so, but yes, uh, I get that. Um, you guys, you guys have anything you want to add on positive impacts for the game? Um, for me, I go back to the same point. I just, I like growing up playing like Pokemon and stuff like that. I mean, if somebody played the a, devil's game, <laughs> the devil's game, man, you know, Pocket monsters, they balanced, fire or water or electric or grass or whatever and obviously there would be certain decks you'd run up against that were like you know really good against you or that you were really good against them and that's okay you know but there was a lot of themes and you you weren't hindered by playing like one theme or another and that's what i really like 
when I play on Lackey or if I play in tournaments, there's there's not like one type of theme of deck like that's usually just like dominant. I think with this rotation now, even though I haven't played that many in the rotation, but it just seems like okay, people are really going to branch out now and play, you know, themes that they like better. Like um, Jay just mentioned about the clay heroes and stuff. You know, that's a, an, an option now. Like clay is back in you know back in business. Um, and I feel like uh, white is very popular. Um, Profits would be very popular. I think some of the LOC themes would be very popular. So it's really cool. You don't know what you're going to Noah is popular. Noah, Noah, you know, he's, he's getting there. Um, Flood will probably never win, but. uh. (laughs) Not that Noah. Still think that deck is one. I think that's one of the best rotation decks just because they have a CBN battle winner. Yes. But if we keep talking down about it, nobody will play it. And then. You can, you can take the take the tournament by storm, but you know strategy. I mean, there's other players I think that would look into playing flood now that the rotation has happened because it is it does have a pretty good consistency to it. It's very fast. Um, it's got some good battle winners, and so it's a good theme. But you know, I think uh, po- positively, I think in my opinion, it's a positive. Okay. So as we get ready to uh, wrap this up, I, I do do have a couple of questions that you just you just pick and choose how you want to answer or what you want to answer. What do you think is the one card that you're going to miss the most that got rotated out? And then also, what is the first deck? And obviously, you guys have already mentioned that you've done some testing. But as far as like your first big tournament, so the first tournament that you go to, this rotation format that you want to win, what's the first ter- uh, tournament level deck that you plan to play? Um, that's all right. So um, for me, at least for the uh, card um, that I'll miss is probably a Soldier's Prayer. Um, yes, sir. I love Red Warriors. I think you all know that. But uh, so that card, that card is staple for it. Um, but also, I think it's a toss up also with, with Maya. Maya is really good. Um, he's, he's a strong strong card but uh but i've kind of found ways you know to mitigate those i've already created the rotation version of the 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 um blood fire deck uh you know i took the nats but um but anyway i would say those uh in terms of rotation so um again i created the rotation version of of that deck i'll probably still use it here and there but um so i've been creating a lot of contender decks that are uh, rotation only so because i want i want you know people to jump into those grab one of those for competitive play um and play those meta style uh, themes and i found some really strong some of these are really strong i mean they're very strong for contenders and, and i've intentionally made them that way you know where they're really right on that edge without those expensive cards that really help you know push it over but um there's some themes i found that are very strong that i may end up just kind of building on uh, with a few little card add-ins or switch outs for like those competitive tournaments. Um, so uh, I think for a quick, one of them is like a Joshua heroes combination with some other red warriors and then uh, Canaanite giants and regular giants. I mean, I, I play that tonight against my son and uh, like a revamped contender and it's really powerful, yeah. really fast. So um, uh, Brad, I think you would appreciate that. Cause I know, uh, <laughs> When I had the original version of that, you bought it when you got into the game again. So, but yeah, this is a really strong one. So I just throw that as an example of um, I think we're going to see um, a lot more kind of um, sleeper themes uh, coming forward. I'm, I'm hoping to see some more of those come 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 forward and people playing those now that some of the those old strong yeah. cards are coming. I will say, out. though, that the Joshua and Giants deck that Brad got from you, Definitely did not like the rain because they caught all the smoke from my flood deck. We did did not know what rubble. Well, I don't know, man. Uh, We'll have to try this new one. How about that? Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, Brad, what do you you think will be the the card you miss the most? So, my bread and butter go-to battle winner. You know what it is, dude. Bravery. 
Bravery of David. <laughs> and the combination of a soldier's prayer to get Bravery of David and music leader to continue to get soldier's prayer from Discord to continue to play Bravery of David was uh and then you can protect of course uh david with mary and all this stuff i had a great combination going but so braver david would probably be um the card that i'll miss the most along with soldier's prayer uh but here uh recently i have uh, experimented with tabernacle priests again and uh a way to branch the exodus uh heroes with the tabernacle priest and um getting uh the idea was to get uh moses and Jeremiah in the same battle. So I can make a cannot be negated, um, you know, Exodus cards with a toss, as well as having, um, you know, Moses' staff to make all that stuff, regardless of protect and all that. So I can get, um, so far I can get like eight heroes in battle, uh, kind of thrown like. Jonathan Gomez would appreciate that. Yeah, I, I saw something about that. But, you know, just branching those two is kind of what I've been experimenting with and had a lot of fun with so far, so. So, my card I'm going to miss the most is Haman's Plot. By and far. <laughs> you miss that card. <laughs> so. You'll never be able to get four and lose the game again. <laughs> Let me jump in on that real quick. So, I find it ironic how they make the rule, like, right when it's rotated out. Oh, yeah, you can just switch it out in between games oh. now. You don't have to have a whole separate deck to change. That was, I was like, wow. That was intentional. You know, great it's time. not just ironic. I think that was intentional. But uh, I love Heyman's plot. Yeah, I'm sure. I love Heyman's plot. But it's just Brad and I played an epic game at Alabama State this year. I ripped a plot on him. Yes. That was great. And uh, then also in the same tournament, I ripped three Heyman's plots against Chris Fashman and still lost. So, <laughs> but uh, I uh, played a local Friday night. It was a little classic local with Luke Marshall and uh, Ron Sias and us Michigan guys, and uh, I played Tech 2 with Luke, and my Tech 2 deck was a bunch of one-ofs that happened to have four Heyman's plots. And so on turn two, he attacked. He had, he was playing like a Jet Priest with like a throne with like a throne component, so he was like going like four Captive Priests, Valley of Saul, or Dry Bones, that's what that card is. And then like putting a bunch of throne stuff in there somehow or another. It was ridiculous, so Anyhow, he does all that madness, and I block with Haman. I've got two in my hand, two plots, and I use Haman. I grab a third one, and I rip three Haman's plots on turn two on Haman. <laughs> <laughs> it was the just the funniest thing. Did you use Haman's boasting to, to interrupt the new plan? Did I use? I did not use Haman's boasting to do that. I played did, it by did, initiative. Yeah, that would have been crazy but, if you did. Get the draw. Oh, three yeah. Well, I got it. to, I, I still got to play like three of them. So that was awesome. So I ripped four plots in one game of type two. I won seven to one. Yes. He finally won by ripping multiple plots. <laughs> and that um, is, that is the best way to segue into rotation for you because I think you would have had to stay in classic and try to figure out a way to win doing that <laughs> and not move into rotation. Like that. <laughs> You were able to take the training wheels off now because you finally won by ripping more than one plot. Oh, I ripped um, every game I played Friday night that I ripped a plot in, I won. And the one game I didn't rip a plot in, I got murdered. So, um, anyhow, so the deck what, I'm going to. Hold on. What did you get murdered by? <laughs> Creation of the world, impartial judgment, and control combo. So, cards from 19 years ago. Cards from 19 years ago, and I didn't draw. The only hero that I drew all game was Ehud. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm attacking with a hero from 12 years ago. But you didn't have his dagger from, from 12 years ago. It was somewhere. My reserve, I think. I don't know. Anyhow, so the deck I want to play, the, I'm excited to play, and I think I'm going to play this deck either way, is I'm going to play Corinth Heroes with love and Holy Spirit to, like, heal all those big demons and Leviathan and stuff. Because I think that is sneakily the best thing going on in rotation right now. And I'm willing to say all this because Gospels isn't out yet, so Gospels is probably going to flip everything on its head. So yeah. I'm willing to give away my end. I will say that, likewise, my card that I will miss the most is Soldier's Prayer, but not just by a Soldier's Prayer on its own. 
And it, it's unfortunate because I don't think there's a chance we ever see that as a legacy rare because of how much history it has. But the fact that you're able to take fountain of living water from prophecy of Christ, you can take faith, you can take reverence and all. And in a deck that can use a soldier's prayer, you can literally turn it into any other card in your deck. Oh, and a Solomon's dream as well to get any good card. You can literally take a soldier's prayer and a red warrior and turn it into any card in your deck. And I, I was not aware of how, how well you could round that out to get any card in your deck again, literally until love at first sight. And you guys put it into the love at first sight deck. And then I put it into the King Noah deck afterwards. Like it was already in there, but like I put the cards to make it to where it could target anything for setup. And had I had that before, I'm pretty sure the King Noah deck would have been even better and more consistent. Not that it wasn't already consistent setting up turn one, as you guys know, you, Brad and Brad and Jay at least. Just for the record, if somebody doesn't know what King Noah is, you can just tell them what that is real quick. That is putting a royal priesthood on King Noah, and you're going into battle. You're threshing for Jeshua, and Throne of David allows you to, oh, uh, with Book of and Law. Book King of Law. Noah is, he's he called it, put a royal priesthood on King Noah. That's Noah rest in comfort. Yes. Which is the Noah that is multicolored and meek. So when he converts and prevents cards, he is a purple brigade king to trigger for, uh, trigger the throne of David. And then you're taking all of your battle winners are actually, for the most part, are in reserve and you're top decking them. Jeshua draws them. Threshing four is another way to get it. Or you just top deck it and draw it when they block with throne of David to where you're you're psychologically telling them what you're getting to beat them. So you go and you grab... You, you grab Authority of Christ promo. You go and grab the Flood. You go and grab Royal Parade. You go and grab um, the Lord Provides, whatever whatever card. And they see it's on top of your deck. They know you got it. And now they're deciding whether or not they want to block, give you the draw, and let you play that battle winner. But at a certain point, and this is how you can kind of tell the good the, the really good players from the bad one. Oh, well, not bad. But the, uh, the, less, the less analytical players, because – some of them will see that you have that, and they'll be like, okay, I'm not going to block. But they never remove the resource from your hand. Make me burn that resource. Because after the first turn that you don't block, the next turn I've got that card plus another one. And then it's plus another one. So you have to, it's, it's almost like it's going to win the war of attrition. But the, the one slight problem was that I used, for the most part, I used glory of the Lord. And it took up a dominant slot. And then when you wanted to fit in either guardian of your souls or falling away, the dominance were kind of, it left me weakened to what is that card that I'm guessing is probably at least 15 years old that I'm really going to be glad is gone. What was it? It was like co covenant with covenant with something. What did it do? Covenant with death. Uh, That's it. I knew exactly what it was. I was just okay. pandering. So I'm so glad that, uh, bonus, I'm glad that Covenant with Death is gone because that shut down King Noah. <laughs> but anyway, so for the most part, we all agree that rotation is good for the game moving forward and the way that it was implemented, kind of even even though we might have done it differently or whatnot. For the most part, we're, we're all okay with the Band-Aid being ripped off. Um, is there anything in closing thoughts anyone would like to add? Nope. All right. This is a lot of personalities for me to have silenced. I'm just glad it's here. It's it's a long time in coming. I think a lot of people have been waiting for it uh, in a positive way. Um, they, they've wanted it to happen, and it's here. So I, I just think about all the cards, just just, to, just like what you just talked about, the throne of David being played off of, you know, Noah. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that's, that's just crazy. So I'm glad something like that is out of there. I'm glad Falling Away is out of there. That card was really annoying, um, uh, you know, I, to, to my own detriment sometimes, you know, I would just refuse to play that uh, in the latter uh, tournaments, um, I think this year, um, just because I just, I, I can't stand that card anymore. So anyway, cards like that, I'm just glad are just kind of out. And, and now we have a pool of cards that can be, that are fresh, that are new, that are doing great things. 
um, that are part of the new format. Um, and I, I'm just excited about it. I'm just looking forward to GOC because it adds all those, you know, cards uh, to that new card pool. So um, I'm just excited. So uh, for those out there who are not really, you know, super big on rotation, I think it'll grow on you. Um, but, you know, there's a classic format for you still. So enjoy that and try to dabble in the rotation. I will, I will say too, though, that the fact that it's not just that rotation's here, I'm glad that rotation's here, but the byproduct of that is that we've got a meta that is completely undefined. No one knows what it is. People think they know they have ideas of what they think are good. And you see the question come up on Discord. It, I mean, it, it's like every other day, what defenses are good? What offense theme is good? What do you think the best deck is? And it's just constantly just question, question, question. And I like that. There's a lot of curiosity because – no one knows what the meta is going to be. No one knows what's going to rise to the top. And it's going to take actually building decks, getting back to, to building creative decks, and not just copying lists that are 10 years old and trying to bring them into uh, the, current, the current meta with new cards that have come out and try to take an old idea and make it new. We're actually going to see people try to build new decks with a new card pool. And I think that's what's exciting. And the fact that no one really knows what's going to be good. And I'm looking forward to that. I agree. I do appreciate you joining and uh, taking a chance to be part of this podcast project. Uh, I would also like to say, I thank you all for your encouragement to push me to this. Considering the amount of money I've spent on equipment and things, my wife probably does not thank you, but well, I think that's your Christmas present. So I think it, but... over it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Derek, I might have I might have spent my fortune for uh, pre-ordering cards on podcast equipment that I didn't tell you about. <laughs> well, you know, you could always start, uh, you know, purging the old closet. Maybe start selling stuff uh, on Facebook, a yard I'm sale. I'm just going to open yeah, Patreon kind of packs and pretend they're new. He's got a nice boat, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sell that boat. <laughs> Anybody want to buy a boat? <laughs> hey, you know, it's like they say. The, the, the two greatest days of a man's life is when he buys his boat and then when he sells it. So, sell time that. to sell that boat. Mine does not have any problems yet. Knock on wood. So, But anyway, thank you guys for joining. Appreciate you, and we'll probably have you on again at some point in the future. Um, so thanks again. Thank you guys for joining us and being part of the history. Episode one, now in the books. I can promise you this, we're not professional. I can tell you there's a lot of things to work on and get better at, but guess what? You just strap up and get ready for the ride because it's going to be a fun one. Can't wait to talk to you again on the next episode. Not entirely sure when that will be or what it will be on, but it'll be coming soon, so stay tuned. Appreciate you.